Welcome to another episode of the Zenpreneur Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want more money and less stress. The Zenpreneur Podcast is hosted by serial entrepreneur and high-performance coach Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share the insights, strategies, and habits that allow you to grow your business with peace of mind so you can enjoy more wealth and freedom. Learn how to build the mindset and habits you need to find the balance between a successful business and a thriving personal life. And now, here is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Hello and welcome, my friends. This is your host, Mario Lanzarotti, the Zenpreneur. Today, I have a special guest, Mr. Brian Donovan. He is a master of helping business owners create the systems, processes, and automations that help them scale their businesses with ease to multi-six and seven-figure levels. He's the founder of TeamOS.ai, which is an all-in-one software superhero that simplifies scheduling, eliminates no-shows, and speed up funnel building with their easy-to-use platform. Brian is also the founder of TeamHQ.io, which provides business owners from all over the world with highly trained virtual assistant solutions. The company has solved well over 30,000 tasks for its clients and generated over $10 million in revenue. And today, I'm excited to welcome him to the show, Brian. Mario, what's going on? Grateful to be here. Thank you for that spectacular introduction, my friend. Grateful to have you on. Brian, tell us, where in the world are you speaking from? I am in the uh, uh, in Tulum here, and I'm, I'm very grateful to be here. Um, just a beautiful paradise of beaches and jungle where you're able just to tap in and get into those flow states. So down here in Tulum, Mexico, been living here on and off the last couple of years. Mm. You're living the life, the dream life that many entrepreneurs wish they could. And here you are doing that. And I'm assuming, or I'm hearing, that's not where the journey started for you. So tell us a little bit about how entrepreneurship and this freedom lifestyle came into your sense of being. Yeah. So for me, when I first got started, I would say my, my full story would, would start when I was 12 when, um, you know, I would say that Grew up like, you know, regular middle class, you know, East Coast, New Jersey actually is where I, where I was born. And then, you know, I was around my dad a lot who was an entrepreneur and um, he was pretty successful in what he was doing. And actually, when I was 12, I saw bankruptcy papers on his office desk in my house. And I was 12 mm -hmm. and I didn't know how to process that. And so I was like, oh man, like what's about to happen? And so I ended up, I ended up going to work at a young age um, you know, washing dishes, working, washing golf carts at golf courses, snow mountains, like three jobs at 12, 13, 14 years old. And, um, I think that's where just the, the part of me that I would say like is that X factor started to develop, you know, that hunger for, you know, taking care of my, my family started to develop. Like I never wanted to see my dad, um, you know, sad because he went into that state of, I don't know if it was just, just instability where, you know, finding everything starts to pile up on you and you start to feel overwhelmed and it's anxious or it's depression or it's, and, and you don't know what to do to get unstuck. And so, uh, I, I took it upon myself. I just took full ownership of how do I develop myself to have the mindset and the perseverance in order to go and make sure that you know, as I grow older, my, my family can, um, you know, depend on me. I could be the breadwinner. So at 15, started reading books, started doing network marketing, uh, started to see some success there. And then hundreds of books, you know, over my late teenage years. And after dropping out of college, you know, I started a, an agency with a bunch of other college dropouts and uh, started to get my, you know, started to develop my skills. Because like, I always had this vision of, of living wherever I wanted in the world, having total freedom, location independence, financial independence, you know, time independence, time freedom. And I knew that there was a set of skills that I could develop. And so I wrote down my why of loving and leading young entrepreneurs to inner and outer freedom at 15 after reading the book, 
uh, Six Months to Six Figures by Peter Vogt. Five years later, Peter Vogt is in my passenger seat at my comp at my one of my first companies, and I'm telling him this story of of how I I was inspired by him and what he was doing, and I, I was dead set on building the skill set right that I can just just continue to stack skills, and so I was fortunate enough to put myself around. The, the right mentors at a very, very early start. And that played a big role in my growth and my development. I mean, between listening to podcasts like this and reading books and being in the right rooms, I, I did become the average of the five people that you do hang around mm. with. That is absolute fact. And so mm. I became obsessed with personal development like you, Mario. Like we have a very similar shared silver lining and thread in our journey of, you know, as, as we've grown and developed. And so... I was like, you know what, between the combination of reading hundreds of books, traveling around the world and working with different um, modalities in, or, in order to release these beliefs and fears and patterns that were holding me back from becoming that best version of myself, I found myself um, easily attracting um, more clients, more abundance, better business partners, better opportunities. And I found myself really doing what I uh, what I absolutely love and that I'm most interested in doing every day. So, um, yeah, that's been that's been my journey so far and uh, mm. it's still going and I'm still still very grateful for it all. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a beautiful journey and 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 you 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 know you said we have a, a a lot of things in common and I agree. When I was young, I saw my mother go through a lot emotionally and working three jobs and having a difficult relationship with my uh, dad. Uh, they divorced, and there was a lot of pain that I've experienced, and there was this sense of like I want to become the man that avoids this from happening in the future, and. And this is a topic that I deeply explore with clients of mine and within myself saying, what is it that creates drive within yourself? And mm. what I'm curious to know a bit more about is, you know, I'm just imagining there's this young Brian, I believe you were 12 years old, who just goes about his day and then sees this document on the desk that says bankruptcy. And like, what goes through a young person's mind? What went through your mind at that moment? And what would you what did you make that mean about yourself at that point? Yeah, wow. Oof, gives me chills. Cause it's taken a lot of uh work to overcome what I actually ended up feeling. Yeah. I, I don't know the exact thoughts, but the the thing that I've discovered later on now in my, my mid my mid twenties here has been that I, I made it out to be that I'm not important and that I mm -hmm. don't matter was the dark side of it or the, the shadow side of it that I'm not important because my family, my parents couldn't give me any, any money. There was no yeah. money. Like I had to t pay for everything since I was 12. And so I made it out to seeing that they don't care. I don't matter. I'm not important. And now I've had, so what have I done? Oh, I've, I've went out and tried to prove to the world, my importance, my significance, mm -hmm. that I do matter. Right. And that, so it's between my two biggest patterns that I've discovered, and it's been a ton of work in the last, even just the last six months has been not important, not feeling important enough and not no, not feeling safe, oh, not man. feeling safe. Oh my God. My nervous system has been jacked for fucking yeah. over a decade, man, of fight or flight mode. Always like even in conversations like this with other men, I've, I've, I was such a competitive kid growing up. Like I never yeah. lost. I never lost a single game. Like I went five years, Mario, where I was 50, and know, never lost a single sports game ever mm. in five years. Cause I wanted to prove importance, wanted to be very competitive. And, um, that, that works to a degree, but it really has, it's almost led to burnout. It's almost led to sabotaging relationships. It's almost led to some significant hiccups in my life. And yeah. so um, those are the two biggest things that I'm overcoming still yeah. Yeah. Uh, and being conscious of. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and I want to acknowledge you for being vulnerable, for being real, because this is, this is difficult. This is tough. I, I'm totally yeah. there with you. You know, like I've done well over a decade of inner work and 
still to this point, the other day, uh, you know, my wedding is coming up and the other day I was sitting outside with my parents and it was got so emotional that all of a sudden I had this outburst of tears and I was just, it was just bawling. And I was saying, you know, you don't care about me enough. You don't, you know, you're, my sister is always more important than me. And that's sort of my own mm. pattern here. And at the same time, you know, there's a voice in my mind that was saying, you know, why are you crying so much? You know, you're not supposed to be crying. You know, you've done all this work. You're a man. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, it's okay. And I just allowed myself to release all of that. And it went on for half an hour. And my mm -hmm. wife-to-be was sitting next to me. And we've done a lot of work together. And she looked at me and she said, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud wow. of you for, for going there. And this is, I want this to be a conversation for, especially for men, to see that it mm. doesn't matter how successful you are. It doesn't matter how much work you do or what your life looks like on the surface. These are things that patterns that are with you sometimes for the rest of your life. And it's not so much in like trying to just get rid of that forever, but really navigating and transcending that and yep. using it to come to a greater capacity of acceptance of love and of humanity. You know, you're a very successful entrepreneur on paper and yet you're a human being. And yeah. I bet and I would love to hear your perspective on this. Not many people see that. Not many people look at you as Brian, the human, but they look yeah. at you as the helper, the provider, the the the, the, the man savior, with the answer, the, the savior, the yeah, the superhero, and all and those things. And you know, you make a really good point. And I I I, I truly believe that you know your your convictions about yourself about other people and about life are the keys to the castle, right? Mm -hmm. Those are the keys to the castle. And so what I was, what I was, um, you know, on a mission on still on a mission on, and you know, it still comes up is what are my convictions about myself? Like, what do I, what do I put after I am right? I am what I am. That's where I started when I was 18 or 19. Cause I, once I discovered the power of those those two words of I am, like, I was like, wow, okay, that's what I'm convicted about. That's what I believe about myself. And then I did the same thing with people. People are, right? Are people out to get me? People are manipulative. People are vengeful. And then life is. Life is hard. Life is impossible, right? And that helps us. That's our worldview. That was my self-image. That's my worldview. That's how my reality shaped itself. And so I've just tirelessly ruminated about how do I drop the baggage, right, from my past? How do I put down the heavy backpack full of rocks so I can become lighter? How do I transmute the lower vibrational, you know, parts of myself so that I can actually step into, I am a free man. I am sovereign. I am someone that, you know, generates millions of dollars. People are abundant. People are peaceful. People are safe. Life is beautiful. Life is simple. Life is easy. And this is what I'm now just constantly reaffirming and becoming like a self-validating machine in order for this little monkey mind to get out of the way. Because this little thing does absolute. It's great and all. Thank you, brain. But the subconscious <laughs> mind is is where it's at. And so I need to just let – I need to go – into that place because it's that much more powerful and so every day i'm just trying to get rid of this so that my intuition can come through and yeah. the only way to hear my intuition is if i can get closer you know to to the real truth of what it's trying to say and there's a lot of you know devils and devils in in, in the silence and in the details inside of yourself the demons that you got to just kind of accept and love on and that let take you down so that you can yeah. get to that true, true core of yourself. And that's, mm. that's the voice. That's what we want to be following. That's, yeah. that's what we want to live from. That's where you, yeah. it becomes life. You live a life on fire. You're like, yeah. Whoa, yeah. you know? So that's, yeah. that's where it's it a beautiful answer. And, and, you know, you speak into something that is very, very important to understand. And that is the concept of identity, right? I am mm -hmm. and how identity shapes who you are and what's possible in the world for you. And a lot of yeah. what I see entrepreneurs are doing when they are looking to scale their businesses, all they're doing is trying to change the results by changing their doing. 
And what it creates, what I see is short-term bursts. They might be going into two, three months of crazy revenue, but then bam, it comes crashing down again because they're the identity that they need to sustain wealth creation and abundance moving forward isn't up to date. It's still the Absolutely. old one. And I want to know from you, what because you've done a lot of inner work all over the world, what have been some of the most powerful experiences that you've had for inner work that have transformed your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, I would say... It's a great question and great description. Identity, right? Process, then outcome, right? James Clear talks about it all the time in his book, Atomic Habits. I learned it from Maxwell Maltz and Psycho-Cybernetics, right? That's where I really learned the power of self-image and identity transmutation. And so that book, Psycho-Cybernetics and Letting Go, I, I read Letting Go in one day. It's like a 310-page book by Dr. David Hawkins. I read it in one day when I was like 18 or 19. I watched my body vibrationally change because I never knew what wow. the pathway of surrender was. I had no idea what surrendering is. It was mm. so, I didn't know what consciousness meant. I didn't even know what the present moment was, right, until I read The Power of Now. And then once I read The Power of Now, now I'm like half a hippie monk. And I'm like in New <laughs> Jersey. I'm like taking backpacks of books with peanut butter jelly sandwiches up to the mountains every day to read the book, to read these books. And I'm like, it. what, what is this present moment thing? I'm, I'm the observer of what is awareness. Now I'm fascinated. And so I went down into the depths of like spirituality, consciousness, becoming present. And I think Eckhart Tolle, Dr. David Hawkins, Joe Dispenza, Maxwell Maltz, Rick Rubin, like these guys are all fantastic leaders and fantastic writers and i they are like james allen like as of man thinketh those those were the pillars of realizing that my thoughts actually do eventually create my reality and so what am i doing here to ensure the cause and effect loop of life is in my favor right so that in three months what i'm doing today the fruits are going to bear themselves. And so the biggest thing for me, Mario, has been has been forgiveness. I mean, I can't um, tell you how many times. I can't tell you how many times I've written in my journal and then burned the piece of paper or ripped it up, right? Acceptance. How many times I say I, like, I, I am accepting of everything and I am accepting of this moment and just getting real and raw and just accepting and then and letting go. And it just, it just takes – look – it really does take confronting yourself in just a loving way. No matter what you have done in the past, there is, there is an opportunity for you to relieve that from yourself and get a vision big enough that gets you out of bed in the morning. And so um, that's, that's where I started. Let, let's, let's, let's narrow in on this because you're speaking from my soul. I love this. <laughs> Forgiveness. Like yeah. when I first heard about the idea of forgiveness, I thought this is the biggest bullshit I've ever heard. It's like, why <laughs> would I forgive somebody that stole from me or that wronged me or that it hurt me? It's like, I'm not the weak one. Why would I do that? So then I, I got down that path and understood what forgiveness is. But I would love for you to elaborate. What was your journey with forgiveness and why do you think this is so important for entrepreneurs? Yeah. And it was, it was even less for me, it was even less about forgiving others. It was really the most about forgiving myself. Hmm. And I, dude, I mean, I was not, I was, I was a rebel child growing up. I didn't do anything like catastrophically bad, but it's like, you take the candy bar from the store and you're like, now you're beating yourself up over it for six years. Right. And it's little things like that, that compiled or you, you got in a fight with your, your brother or you said something you didn't mean to to your mom or you did something to your friend that you didn't mean to. And so I, I had to forgive myself the most over small things that I shouldn't have been sweating in the first place, but I was. And if I told other people, they were like, what the heck? What is it? You're, are you kidding? Because the, they would be like, that is the smallest thing. So I think that's what entrepreneurs, we magnify in oh, our yes. heads 
our problems. And then we go and talk to someone about it and the things that we've done. And they're like, what? That's how are you still thinking about that? That was 10 years ago. And it's like, uh-huh. oh, my God. And so that's what's this. That's what they're not very they're skeletons, but they're based. They're like so simple. Like go and yeah. sh- go and share those things. And my my problem was, was that I didn't feel safe on top of it was sharing it. So now I'm yeah. like, oh, my unique freaking fingerprint of the world has made it a very, very, I'm a perfect concoction to be uniquely doing what I'm currently doing because it's, it's been my, it's my life. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I, the patterns and the problems and the challenges I face molded me and I use them to mold me and leverage them. And yeah. um, we beat ourselves up, especially as men. Ooh. We are so hard on ourselves that we just shut down, numb, repress, suppress, and we don't show up powerfully, and then we're we're totally stuck, right? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's and and there's something so on a similar way to you. I, I think I had a very similar pattern with this extreme uh, beating myself into thinking that I have to be absolutely perfect in order to be loved and Mm. i didn't feel safe to open up about vulnerability because it would violate that image of perfection because if i'm perfect i don't have to have any sort of weaknesses or fears or insecurities so just pretend that i don't have them and just step over them and Mm. so i've become a master at my own pattern recognition to find all of the loops and how i could avoid and overplay and sort of avoid and I see that in other people too. And this whole thing that you describe of men are being so hard on themselves, I've went down this path and what I've found is that people that beat themselves up, they do it primarily because they think that it leads to a positive outcome. They think, if I beat myself up for this, for taking the, the candy bar from the counter, I will learn and I will never do that again. Yet if you look at performance... It actually does the opposite. The more you beat yourself up, the more you are likely to repeat the kind of pattern that you want to avoid, and the more your performance is inhibited. It's so spot on because we do not need to suffer in order to succeed. We do not need to have this negative self-talk. That's the problem is that most people are driven by their negative self-talk in order for them to take action. And... Oh my goodness, it locks you like it locks you into it locks you into the exact patterns that you want to actually dissolve in order for yourself to evolve and have the experience of life that you so much so would enjoy. And so it definitely it starts with the things that we're that we're just that we're describing. And it's 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 getting out of your own way. You gotta stop stop suffering in order to succeed. Yeah. What are some of the, you know, you described some of the practices and some of the books that you read, which are very, very valuable. What are some of the events or experiences that you have partaken in? Because I, I, I think you and I, we've done a lot of plant medicine. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd love to hear from you sort of what were some of the core events that you have gone to that have really created massive change in your life? Yeah, for me, it's, it definitely started in just nature. Like if you're just a total beginner, nature, and then all I did was I read this book. I don't really recommend it, but I read this book, Urban Monk. And all I did was go and sit by the river and listen to the stream and let that wash, wash all the negativity away. That's what I did. It's all going downstream. And it just started with the Headspace app and nature. That was it. Reading and then journaling. That's where it all started and began. It still becomes, it's a core pillar that's evolved today to breath work every single day. And obviously the pillars of like high performance of like exercise, nutrition, right? Hot tub, cold plunge, steam room, sauna. Those things are absolute must. The bonus experiences that I've had that have opened me up in many different ways. I think warrior retreats is absolutely a must by my friend, uh, uh, by Brandon Collinsworth, where they take you on the journey down to Peru to work with mother Aya. And, um, that's a beautiful experience. Absolutely. When you feel ready and called to do that, I highly recommend going and checking out warrior retreats on Instagram. Absolutely amazing. Brandon is a fantastic human being. And then 
it's just been a variety of, of different medicines between um, and journeys to, to really tap in and, and see what's available there for me. And, um, you know, luckily I, I've, I've used all of the experiences ultimately to come back to forgiveness, self-love, being lighter to myself, smiling more at myself, smiling more at my soul, coming back to kindness, giving hugs, having more compassion, right? It's not just about building the empires, right? And, and fucking taking down other people's castles. It's like, no, nope. How do we go and help others build and serve? And that's all it's, all it's led to is I'm, I, I am so connected to every single person. And so everyone listening to this and Mario, we're mirrors. We have so much in common. There's so much that we all share and it's okay. And it's a safe place to share it. I think that's why those plant medicine journeys are so powerful because if you get in the right container, you're around people that will, that will really see you and hear you even if in your darkest, darkest, darkest past stories and things that you hate the most about yourself, you will be just held in a very beautiful way. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is, this is so good. And it brings up a story. Like when I, I did uh, quite a few ayahuasca's over the past seven years and I took two of my best friends to South Africa because they really wanted to do it a couple and they've never engaged with the spiritual world in any capacity. Mm. This was the first time ever. <laughs> we arrived there. It was a beautiful space set up out in nature. And we arrived there. And my friend, we, the moment we go into the Maloka, which is like a big tent structure where the ceremony happens, everybody is sort of like a hippie. Uh, everybody yeah. has long hair, you know, nobody is shaved. And, and I could just see him freeze People come over to him, give him hugs, and he's just like totally awkward. Mm -hmm. Just like, oh god, oh god, everybody wants yeah. to hug me. Spirit. Yeah. And and ten minutes later, he sits in the other tent, uh, throwing up, shivering, mm. fever, uh, getting hot, uh, and like feeling awful, and being on the verge of canceling and saying I'm out. And mm. we told him, hey, just take a moment to rest and sleep for a bit. And we had some time for the ceremony. And he did. And luckily he came back and he felt a lot better. And then he did the ceremony and he had the biggest life transformation ever. And he came mm. out of that just a bundle of love, hugging mm -hmm. everybody, sharing intimate conversations and totally changing to the trajectory of his life. And to this day, he said, Mario, that was the most profound experience I've had in my life. And because of it, I've changed so much. So much mm -hmm. of my life has positively shifted. And mm -hmm. what I'm curious to hear a little bit about is where do you see the element of community in, in this conversation? I, I would say that when, from my experience, it's, it's really just, it's choosing intentionally what community you'd like to go deep with and making sure you're surrounded by people that, would let you sleep on their couch, right? If you were absolutely broke or, or will really protect you and really stand for you and have, have your back because there's all different people out in the world. There's all different intentions out in the world and there's all different dualities out in the world. And so I believe that community is an absolute must and it's, uh, it's paramount. It's proximity is power, right? We all know about just, just someone sitting down and like giving you that heartfelt hug or just like looking you in the eyes and saying, I see you after you've just like thrown up, cried, sweated, rolled over. You're, a, you look like a hot mess. And it's like, mm. I see you. And it's just honoring that part of you just because they see you're a human. Nothing makes you feel more alive than a community like that. Like you really feel alive. You're like, Oh my God, because we have so many experiences where, especially in the U S there's, there's clicks, there's, there's bullying, there's bougie. There's like, you're not have, you don't have the cool clothes. You don't have the cool car. There is absolutely in the right community. There is, there's none of that. It's not, it's not about materialism. It's not about even what you do or how much money you have. It's about who you're being in the community. 
and what value you bring to the community is, is most definitely your presence with others. Yeah. yeah. That's such a beautiful reflection of what's really important in life and what truly matters. And yeah. I can attest to that because when I first came into these communities, my first instinct was like, oh, just tell everybody how much of a big shot you are traveling all over the world, what you've experienced. And, you know, I started a little bit with that and I noticed there was just like nothing coming back. And I felt a sense of like, hey, what do you mean? I'm Mario. Come on, man. And I noticed yeah. very quickly that that was very shallow, that, that was there was no, nothing to grasp there. And yep. then I learned to really center myself around service, to center myself mm. around being a caring, genuine, good-hearted human being, no matter where you are, especially with people that don't see all of your accolades and accomplishments. And now bringing that into the business, right? One of the yep. things that I teach in my business is the opposite of the ABC culture that always be closing and mm. instead ABS always be serving. One of my coaches, yeah. uh, shout out to, to William Griffin, uh, taught me that. And now I'm embracing that fully and just genuinely show up anywhere and serve. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I get something out of it or not. The act of service in itself is so fulfilling and that fuels my entire business on any given basis. Yeah, it's focusing on the process, not the outcome in that and also as well. It's like not fo it's focusing on planting the right seeds. It's focusing on, you know, uh, of, of nour nourishing that seed. It's focusing on the fruits of the labor are going to come later. Right. When it, when it comes in that in that instance. And so, um, so yeah, surrounding yourself with um, with a culture of people who just, you know, they, they don't care about the accolades. They're, they're there to like that a lot of the accolades and materialism and a lot of the state of the world is in that place of desire. Yeah. And so that's their frequency that they're operating at is their desire for more desire to be seen desire for their ego to be spotlighted. And because we always focus so much on what we want or what we don't have. And so yeah instead of what we already currently have and who we are. And so, so many people opt and desire, like if you just come back to think and grow rich and just any type of manifestation, it's like, it's the starting point, but that is the exact thing that's going to hold you back. If mm. you do not let it go and accept that you already are that person, mm. you got to be, I am people are life is you got to accept, you got to forgive. You got to come back into yourself so you can show up powerfully as if, acting as if, and not in an egoic way, just acting as if just comfortably with certainty that you know your worth and you are worthy regardless of what you have or you don't have. And so it's shifting out of desire. That's just yeah. a decision that you can make, essentially. Yeah. You can decide no more desire. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it becomes a place of normality almost it's like yeah like you know you're a man you don't need to make a big fact about the uh, a big thing about the right. fact that you're a man yep that's who i am right so you everything you're manifesting around who knowing i am a man or i yep. am brian and so when that mm -hmm. becomes part of your regular thinking it just happens effortlessly it just happens Absolutely. with ease where you don't have to force things and you talked about process just now and obviously that's one of your master areas and i would love to talk a little bit about the process and there's one thing that i learned from you because this is for those of you that don't know this is how brian and i connected i was part of his uh coaching program part of leaders create leaders uh, a community that he created with gerard adams and one of the things that brian taught me in there was to work in your zone of genius and i would love for you to elaborate a little bit on that. What is the zone of genius and how hmm. can entrepreneurs move into that? Yeah, it, I think that it's, it's what zone of genius to me is like what I'm most naturally curious about and mm -hmm. that I can spend all day learning about and studying and then executing. And so it's, that's what zone of genius is to me. And, you know, it's funny. It, I, I've, I would suggest, I would suggest taking this, this quick personality test. It's by Martin Seligman, the founder of pers uh, positive psychology. It's called values in action, character strengths, a survey. 
I think it's just VIA. And you just type it into Google values in action, character strength survey. And it's a bunch of questions, but it'll tell you your, how you take action based on your values. Right. Mm. And so, and these are values of like kindness or learning or spirituality or beauty and excellence or uh, love, or it, they're all, there's 36 values that he's like distilled down. And when I took that test, what I realized is that my number one value is beauty and excellence. And what that means wow. is that I love people that are masters of their craft, great tennis players, great artists, great painters, great golfers, great businessmen and women. Like I love people that have spent, that have invested years of their time and life and energy that have went through the dark times in order to learn the skills, right? They might have been, they're not all prodigies. People will spend 10,000 hours like it takes to become a master to learn a skill. And that is my number one value that I'm driven by. And so when it comes to the zone of genius, I would say, what, what would you spend, could spend 10,000 hours on? That's your zone of genius. What is, what would you go and do there? And so for, for, for you, you, you're like the mindset and the, the leadership and the coaching. That's what I would consider your zone of genius. I'm taking it more of a meta approach here totally. rather than saying, Hey, your zone of genius isn't responding to emails or building a funnel, mm -hmm. right? Like, obviously you can delegate that. And what is it that you would be like, Oh, I'm going to go and dedicate my life because I am wildly obsessed and most interested about learning this. And I know I won't ever get built burnt out about learning this stuff on a daily basis. Yeah. That's how I consider it. I like that one. And, and, and that's definitely what I learned from you. And I remember you once gave me this tool called the delegation matrix, which really yeah. made a big difference because it required me to take inventory over where my time is currently going. And I was clearly doing a lot of things that I wasn't supposed to be doing according to this idea of the zone of genius. And yeah. my fear was like, yeah, but if I take away my time from that, I'm going to spend, have to spend a lot of money uh, and time and energy to uh, um, hire somebody um, or to potentially uh, bring on some sort of an agency to do this for me. And there was all this fear that I had, which is why I didn't do it for the longest time. Now, mm -hmm. how... You obviously run a company for virtual assistants, and I'm and from I mean, what I understand, yeah. yeah. And on that point, real quick, like just the delegation matrix, it's like you're and and, and talking about the zone of genius, if I may, just for one moment, is like you have Please. you have when you're delegating and when you're doing these things, it's like taking that time audit is so key, right? Once we know, hey, I want to become a master at this, or I'm obsessed about this, like that's your vision, you see yourself becoming that, you do all the shadow work to become that individual. Okay, let's talk about the actual execution, right? The delegation, in my mind, one, we, we know it's factually studied that your, your income level is directly associated to your ability to delegate. And so people mm. who are the best at delegating will make more money than people that do not delegate. That's facts. You can just do, go look at all the Harvard wow. Review studies. Wow. And, can you elaborate? Uh, well, you can say, because they can get, they, I mean, you just look at, you can take Elon Musk or you can look at Jeff Bezos. You can look at the richest people in the world. A lot of them have delegated and built their vision and their strategy into other people to come and support them. And so even if it's delegating as small as someone helping you come uh, clean your home, that'll free up more time and mental bandwidth and capacity because we, we all have the same time. It's just choosing how we, we use that time. And so people who delegate have more time. Even if it's the small things, because now they have more time to, even if you're a solo entrepreneur, make better investments, read better books, get ahead, right? And so then you can just, you can go all in because you're not thinking about anything else than what you want to master. So that's, that's the power mm -hmm. of, of delegation. And um, yeah, there's two types of it. There's delegation of tasks and there's delegation of thinking, right? What I've learned from the virtual assistance company is that that's a delegation of tasks company, right? Not a delegation of thinking. Two different schools of thought. Delegation of thinking is like strategy, your offers. How are you building an audience, right? Making, making decisions that eliminate thousands of other decisions, right? It's so funny that people think about like, oh, I could just 
do this. It takes me 10 minutes and I can do it faster than everybody else. Why am I going to go pay any money? And I'm like, one, your income's directly associated to your ability to delegate. Two, why don't you just make one decision and never do this again? Create one training a video. Who cares how long it takes that person to do it? You don't have to think about it anymore. Now hmm. you can go think about the what gets paid the big bucks, which is thinking, strategy, vision, empowerment, becoming a better, better skill stacking. And so that's where people get tied up. And the first step is to just do what we said. Like we just write it all down, you know, where you're going to come to find that's the most fascinating thing that I discovered in the last six months is that when you're running a seven, when you're running a million dollar plus company, there is about 250 things that need to be done on a daily, weekly or monthly business, uh, daily, weekly or monthly basis in order to keep the business running. 250 wow. responsibilities that need to be executed. And that is a fascinating thing for me to discover because I have tried to solve this problem that I've been obsessed about, which is system staffing and software. How do I solve yeah. that? And I had to do a total assessment. And then you have 100 processes that run a million-dollar-plus company. That is like not being talked about enough right now in the space because everyone's mm. saying like, hey, you can just go and do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, build one funnel and you're rich. And I am like, absolutely not. This is a huge undertaking of what you're about to go on. Now, luckily, if you're listening to this podcast, you know Mario and I, and we've simplified it. And so it's a lot easier because we've already went and went through the trenches and spent the millions of dollars to get punched in the face and get back up every single day to figure out how to solve this problem. And so I know I kind of just ranted a little bit, but thank you for respecting that and, and guys for listening. I know I'm just ranting on here. I have great intentions. Um, this but is back great. to delegation, my friend. <laughs> yeah. This is, Tell me. this is really good. And, and I want to take a quick pause because what you said is so important to even reflect upon because naturally what you said, that's why I asked you to elaborate. Why is it that the, the wealthiest people are the ones that delegate the most for most of us? Like the, of course, but very few of us actually do it. It took me forever yeah. to get myself to do it. And the thing that stopped me and, and I would, I'm, I would love for you to hear your perspective on what you see it with entrepreneurs is that sense of giving up control. I was like, yeah. ah, you know, that, that Canva design, I'd rather do it. You know, that email, yeah. I'd rather that reach out. Ah. And it was all of that holding on. I want it my way. And if it's not my way, it's the highway. And so yeah. I just stayed stuck at the level that was. And now I'm delegating anything that I can. I'm learning more and more yeah. and delegating yeah. even more. And it's fun. And I'm, I'm letting go. But do uh, you see really that as well? And I, Oh, my God. It's such a, it's a thing. It's actually almost part of the reason why I, I, I transitioned the rebrand of my company, because I realized that I have, I don't have enough mindset coaching and delegation coaching and leadership coaching for people to even step into that as leaders to be able to delegate. So it, it looks like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm like, Oh no, no, your patterns of perfectionism, your karma, your negative self-talk. I mean, there's a study done Mario that, that, for every one bad thing you say in a setting of a company to an employee, it takes the equivalent of 10 positive reinforcements to rebound from that one negative thing. And so imagine at scale, my company gets about 8,000 tasks delegated per month, right, to it. Now imagine working with individuals who, will, who would say, why is it done that way with attitude? And I'm like, whoa. Do you know how much that's going to take energetically for that person to just rebound? And Damn. so delegation is a challenging, it's, it's a challenge in itself inside of your company because what you're doing is it's a people problem. It's a people opportunity. And if you haven't done the work in compassion and empathy or training, right, what happens is, is this is what happens. There's a great book called Never Boss, probably my favorite book right now in business period. Never Boss by Kevin Crenshaw. You get it on Amazon. It's like five bucks or something, maybe 10. It teaches you there's four levels of leadership and it comes to, it, this applies to delegation. The bottom level is taking over, right? To create stability, right? The next one is, I think, uh, take, is it take over, train, teach, coach, support? Yeah. So take over, then it's train. No, no take over, then 
teach, then train, then coach, then support. And so what I mean by that is you take over to build your company. And what happens is, is that a lot of people actually don't even know what they're building. So they, the, one of the biggest mistakes you can make when you're delegating, especially when it's a company, is you're delegating what you don't know. So you get screwed. This is how Facebook ad agencies and people could take advantage of you because now they're charging you a big retainer fee, right? Because you're, you're not, you're delegating what you don't know. That's how you get basically highway robbery. Next is you then need to know how to teach and train, and then you need to know how to coach, and then you need to know how to uh, support. And so what ends up happening is that people hear a zone of genius. They're like, I can delegate. And then they just abdicate. And what that means is, Go and do this for me. No, I mean, unless it's literally cleaning a pool, it's not going to work. Um, unless you're paying big dollars, like most people don't have like the New York Yankees budget to build a, a team, right? Most people don't. So now you're dealing, now you got to go through the leadership steps. And then what ends up happening, guys, is like, <laughs> Mario, is people want to support when they need to be taking over and they're taking over when they should be supporting. And holy mm. crap, it creates an absolute nightmare because now team members are diminished. They're like, why do you keep taking this back from me? Let me do it. I can do it, you know, and they, they want to grow and they want to be empowered. But now you're taking over because you have your perfectionist, your control, your passive aggressiveness. You don't know how to lead. You don't know how to communicate. And you haven't put in the time and energy to master teams and leadership. And so it's why I have a company of 65 and why people that I work with Barely can have a company of one. I have had in, I've had clients. I, I I'll, I'll keep I'll remove the names. I've had clients where I've had 25 people on my team that did not want to work with that client. 25 <laughs> people say no. I am not working with that client. I've had that happen twice, maybe three times. Absolutely not. The whole company is like, I'm not working for that person. And and then they come to me like, why is it things? I'm like, listen, we cannot we cannot move on together. We cannot work together. My, I got to protect my culture. I got to create safety. And what is not safe is you're, I'm not responsible for your financial instability, your passive aggressiveness, your perfectionist, and you being very, very mean to your team, regardless of who they are. They're human beings. We're not full AI yet. Like, chill out. And so that's a big growth opportunity for many people is, is mastering. You got, that's why we've talked about it in this order on this podcast today is like, is, is your identity. You got to work on yourself first because I'm telling you, your company and your team are going to absolutely reflect you. It's 100% going to happen. So if you're a complete hot mess, don't do anything until you're a little bit better. Work with Mario, get your stuff dialed. <laughs> like that needs to happen first before you move on to the company setting. And so I have seen it all, my friend. I've worked with 1,000-plus clients, and I've seen it all. And um, it's, it's driven me to create an ultimate solution, and I'm grateful for it all. Um, but, yeah, so I know, then that's Man. important. This is – thank you. Thank you. Finally, somebody – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this episode listen to a few of my clients because they yeah. have bigger companies. I'm going to – and I am there – consistently showing up that you need to go deeper. You need to go deeper. I don't have the time. I, I think this is enough. You know, it's like, is that, but yeah. then the same problems keep uh, showing up and you've just yeah. highlighted it perfectly. And I've seen in my own journey, that's why I've done it the other way around. I've, I first went into business, uh, business career. I crashed. It didn't work out. And then I went down this inner work game. And I did yeah. over a decade of inner work and then shadow work and whatever name you want to give that. And now I'm seeing it in my business, how effortless things are moving forward. I'm not in a rush. I never have this sort of idea that I'm behind yeah. on my goals. Oh, I need to, uh, sometimes I have urges, but small and I can manage yeah. that. And it's like a, a, a journey I truly enjoy and the rewards are coming and the growth is very manageable. And I have people that come to me, oh, but you should be charging a hundred K right now. And I'm like, you know what? I don't, my nervous system isn't there no. and I'm okay with that. 
And I'm I'm yeah. okay with doing growth like that. I'm not in a hurry. Where yeah. where where do you want me to go? I don't need to yes. be the next Tony it's Robbins. Patient, it's patient urgency. It's just patience. And and then you're you're moving with urgency. You're moving with precision. You're trying to make one decision that eliminates a thousand others. And um, and and yeah, it's like I, I'm I'm not responsible. I've you know coming back full circle with this is like the whole thing of being important enough. Right. And, and making sure that I matter, like that's led to me doing things like savior and people pleasing in order to fill that up. Right. It's like, that's why I dude. there was, there's been, I, I'm almost positive since I was for the last six years. I don't think there was a month where I wasn't building like 30 different companies at one time. And so I've had, I've had more experience than like I than probably all of my clients combined thinking about this problem, and yeah. so I'm like, it's just because I've I I was I, I was crazy I was literally like I need to feel important I need to, I I matter let me show you I would say yes to everything and now yeah. I'm like absolutely not I'm not responsible for your karma I'm also not responsible for your patterns I'm not responsible for your projections and that's why it's like working with quality individuals and so when when you work with us anyone that's listening to us it's just compassion it's it's culture it's clarity it's patience there's no silver bullets we're a community that can that can provide clarity and very much so support you on on yeah. up leveling yeah and I can be a testament to that brian he wouldn't be on my podcast if that wasn't true uh i still use some of the things that he taught me today i still have some of the people that he referred me to work with today um i highly recommend checking out you know as we come to the end of this podcast brian please tell us what's the best way to connect with you and if somebody is interested in tapping into that genius and helping them scale their business with a lot more ease What's the best way to find that? Yeah, I would say it's um, any one of my social profiles. Primarily Instagram is where I hang out most, um, at Brian Donovan uh, underscore underscore on Instagram. And so, uh, and then my link in my bio, there's a free community that you can join by the time this is released, as well as um, some different tiers and in, in which way we can work together um, and just opportunities to, yeah, go deeper. I mean, if, if you're interested in learning more, yeah, check that out. I have spent my whole life trying to solve this problem, and I feel I feel like I have solved it enough, finally. And it's taken seven years every single day yeah. thinking about how the heck do I solve this thing? And so, <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it's a beautiful thing. Very grateful. This is fantastic, dude. I mean, I think we're this is just great. I know we might have to do a part two. Uh, or some other clips um, or some some stuff or something with the yeah. coaching clients that you have because this is just fun. I'm very open for that, my <laughs> friend. Brian, you've been an absolute beast in what you shared. You're a gentle human being centered, a heart-centered leader. I appreciate you. I see you. Thank you for being on the show and thank you for listening. You are a cornerstone of this work that I get to do in the world. Uh, with that, I am complete and I will see you on the next episode.